Ben the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about saving the best and burning the rest. And we are not alone today in the studio. We're blessed today to have both Chapo and Taryn. Guys, so good to have you with us today. It's good to be here. Yeah. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, I'm stoked. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourselves because we know who you are, but do they? I am the one that is Chapo. I do have another name, but no one knows it, so we just stick with Chapo. I've been a pastor for about 14 years now. Yeah, I didn't realise it was so long. It's a long time. I'm getting pretty old. Um, (laughs) Didn't grow up an Adventist. Became an Adventist in my sort of late teens, early 20s kind of vibe. There's certain things I really love about our faith and some things that still challenge me and that I get a bit annoyed about and things like that. We're currently working at Gateway Church with Taryn, which is a campus church on Avondale School campus. That's me. Cool. I'm Taryn. I am also a pastor with Chapo at Gateway Church. I love Gateway because we're on the school campus and I really enjoy campus ministry there. Bit of church world, bit of school world. It's a good combination. But yeah, I've been, this is my fourth year there. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Just for those of you who don't know, our overseas listeners, Avondale is our tertiary education place. It's Adventist Mecca, Australian style. But it is, there is also a Avondale kindergarten and Avondale primary school and Avondale high school. So Gateway Church is located on the yeah. high school. Well, and Avondale. the primary school. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I should remember that. But yeah. yes, it is. Anyway, so that's where it is, which is yeah. really cool. Lots of churches in the area. Particularly when you've come from, I used to pastor in like regional New South Wales okay. in Gipsy. Yep. And if people don't like you as the pastor, they just come anyway. Like, they're just like, that's <laughs> yeah. the only church we've got and we're going to go to church. But yeah, in the Mecca, you've got churches everywhere and it's a bit of a smorgasbord. Yeah, wow. So it's, I don't like you. I'm going to hopefully like this other pastor Legit better. Legit though. Like our membership is so transient. Like because people just go different places where the big events are happening every Sabbath. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little bit curious, Taryn and mm. Chapo, what's your sales pitch? If somebody is like, <laughs> should I come to your church? Sure. We have a huge, because we are a campus church, our focus is on the campus. So we do a lot of kids rallies, teen rallies. We want to be focused on the families in the school community there. So that's our space. That's our passion. That's our purpose is, look, we're not here to attract other Adventists. We're really there to just minister to the school families. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, I'd say that we try to create an atmosphere that is easy for someone to find their way into. Yeah. Um, if you've got rowdy kids, that's okay. Mm. If you don't know what church looks like or how to go to church, that's okay. The coffee's pretty good there mm. as well. Yeah. Great that's important. Team. That's important. Yes. Yeah, yeah there's some yeah. There's a sales pitch for you. Great. Jump to Gateway. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, man, you guys are awesome. And I'm sure it is a very loving community. And you know what? We just had a coffee before this. And so I trust your coffee judgment. Mm. I will say I trust it. After that one experience, I trust it. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of trust. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is a lot of trust. Hey, but today we are talking about something very dear to all of our Adventist hearts. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. No, you just did a massive seven part series on the Sabbath. Very, very Adventist to do a seven part series on Sabbath. How could you not though? <laughs> yeah. like, how could you do a five part series no. on the Sabbath? You could it. Sure. Heaven forbid, a yeah. six part series. Oh, I know. Oh, boy. Straight to hell. So yeah, we heard really good things about it and we just know that you've got some really good thoughts on it. Did so, you really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, actual. Like, I thought genuinely. that was just part of it if you just made that up. As you all know, as all of because all of you are a part of it, there is a Facebook group for Burn the Haystack because all of us use Facebook regularly. <laughs> but anyway, there's a Facebook group and it was recommended in that group. Your really? series. Yes. We thought, you know what? We need that's, to that's get high praise. Yeah. Wow. yeah. There you go. Go, Taryn. People yeah. listened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actual. So, yeah. Lead us. Yeah. Tell us. What do you want to tell us about Sabbath today? Many things. <laughs> Great. Awesome. That's what we need. No, yeah. there's lots we want to talk about. And look, Sabbath is a big deal for seven-day Adventist people, right? Mm. It's so important that it's like the first part of our name of our denomination is seventh day. So, big deal. Tragically, I don't think we've spent 
enough time on what Sabbath keeping actually looks like and how it can be a benefit and a blessing and holistically and all this kind of stuff. We've focused on the just make sure you do it bit, but not about getting a whole lot out of it. And we did this seven part series. I don't claim to be any kind of New Testament scholar or some brilliant Sabbath guy. However, we read a lot, we watched a lot, we listened to a lot, and our understanding and our own experience of the Sabbath was incredibly enriched through that process. So there's a lot that, yeah, that we just got really excited about on the topic of Sabbath as a result of, yeah, taking our church through this uh, this series. Super cool. Yeah. So you did it in seven parts. I don't know if how much we're going to drill down on any one of those individual parts, but do you want to give us like a broad overview of when you look at this whole thing, like it doesn't have to be all seven, don't panic. Sure. What is the overall picture that you're trying to paint? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Look, the seven parts we did, we looked at the concept of remembering and why the word remember is such an important word in the Sabbath commandment. We looked at the idea of Sabbath being a delight, which was incredibly fun and we need to talk about that one because it's yep. a bit sexy so <laughs> we need to get into that <laughs> one. Yeah. we looked at sabbath and rejuvenation we looked at sabbath and rest we looked at sabbath and worship mm. was quite cool as mm. well the sabbath and jesus how he interacted with the sabbath and then we finished with the sabbath and freedom and then we had a baptism on that day which was Whoa. really cool so oh, cool. It was awesome. really celebrated the freedom of sabbath by someone who experienced the freedom of jesus yeah so good in Jewish practice, right? You understand what the Bible actually commands when it comes to Sabbath is very brief. We're told not to work. That's essentially the largest component that we're given about what Sabbath observance looks like is not working. Upon that was added all these rabbinical laws about the Sabbath day's journey and the things you couldn't do and the how heavy something could be that you picked up. And it, what Sabbath keeping became for a lot of the Jewish people was this experience of how do we get around these laws so that we can still do the things we want to do without technically breaking Sabbath. And it, often it looked like doing more work rather than less just for keeping Sabbath. Now, from a seven-day Adventist perspective, we have created some extra rules and laws on top of it. There's a mythical line somewhere on the body that where wading becomes swimming. Uh. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere, <laughs> somewhere is it between, the ankles? Is it the knees? Somewhere, somewhere between the shin and the knee. Yeah. And if you hit that, then, you know, you're in God's favour and then you're out of God's favour depending on how deep that is. Yep. Um, the satanic waterline. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's Things it's like called. you can't exchange money on the Sabbath unless it's in an envelope. Because wow. if it's in an envelope, the Holy Spirit can't see it and therefore it's okay. <laughs> I've even heard like credit cards because the money doesn't come out yeah. until the day after yeah. or something. Something like that. Or even the whole idea of prepaying for a meal on Sabbath, which is insane because you're just exchanging your money for a coupon that you then exchange for food and service that, you know, it's a technicality. We've created all these technicalities to get around Sabbath keeping itself without actually drilling down and experiencing what it truly means. There's one text that has been really instrumental in the way that Adventists have experienced Sabbath. And it's the text that is in Isaiah, um, Isaiah 58, verse 13 to 14. And it says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high heels of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is such a big deal for Adventists because I believe this is fundamental text, but one that's been so drastically misunderstood that it has robbed us of so much of the joy that should be experienced on the Sabbath and replaced it with almost just like this rigid observance as opposed to anything that is resembling delight. When you look at this text, there's almost this immediate contradiction because it's, there's this idea of not doing pleasurable things, but then at the same time calling the day a delight, which in Hebrew can be translated as a pleasure itself. So what's actually going on here? I'll be honest with you, Chapo, I've only ever heard the first part, like do not do your own pleasure on the Sabbath. Mm. That's it. And that's the, wep- that's the weaponized form of the text that I've ho- heard most often. Yeah, same. 
Yeah, that's all people. Yeah, you just hear it like like somebody wants to do an act, like the youth want to do an activity, and it goes to the church board, and the church board's like, sounds a bit too pleasurable, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's really is that okay? Anyway, yeah. Oh, look, I remember when I got Bible studies when I first became an Adventist, and the pastor who gave Bible studies to me, and he's still probably my hero to this day. I love that man, but he was showing me this verse, and he said, "This is what he calls the surfers verse." Because when the surfer says, "Hey, is it okay to surf on Sabbath?" He pulls out this verse and says, "Refrain from doing your pleasure on my holy day." What do you think? Mm. Should you surf? night and so forth yeah the key to this verse is in the context when you read up further in the passage god is rebuking them for the way that they are treating their people their employees their slaves on sabbath so that they can expand their business in the jewish bible it actually translates pleasure as business pleasure that's the actual term that it uses because in the context it's directly like relating to growing and expanding business and becoming more profitable. When it says, and you shall honor him not doing your own ways, and then it goes down to say, not speaking your own words. In the original Hebrew, it just says, don't speak words, right? (laughs) But because of the context, we know that it's the specific way it's used is business words. So the actual, what it's actually condemning is taking the Sabbath as a day to exploit your employees to continue growing your business or as a day to be trying to drum up deals. Oh, you go to worship, there's people there. Have you heard about Mad Sale I've got on Hormuz at the moment? And, and <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So once you read it in its context, it changes the way maybe it's supposed to be a whole lot more pleasurable than we ever experienced mm. personally or have understood it to be. Mm. And maybe there's something in that idea of Sabbath being a delight that we've totally missed. I think we've tried to make the day like solemn and reverent, you know, like when we, th- when we think of the word holy, we think, oh, we have to be behaved and quiet and all that kind of thing. I think that can be some of the like interpretations we connect to that word. And I think this verse being maybe like wrongly, in- I don't know if wrongly interpreted, but interpreted in that way. And in that context has just escalated that idea. We have inherited an understanding of holiness from Catholicism that is very much about being solemn and quiet and wearing the right clothes and saying the right words in the right place and having this idea of sacred and secular things that cannot ever cross paths yeah, and, yeah, and that. Yeah. And we, we sort of inherited that and never rejected those things. But that's not what it's talking about here when it says, it's set, have it set apart and have it set apart for the best possible things in life. Fill the Sabbath with the best things. The word delight is actually a word that's associated with the things of royalty. So the luxurious things, the things that are incredibly special. What would a king or a queen do to fill their time with all of their resources? That's what you should do on Sabbath. Pull out the cashmere. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Or the caviar or whatever whatever it is that's expensive. Save it for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath Mm. is fantastic. Uh, Side note here, and just relating to this verse here, often a question that young Adventist couples struggle with, maybe they don't, but uh, (laughs) is it okay to have sex on Sabbath? And does this verse condemn it because Ah, of the pleasure and all that Mm. kind of stuff? And I looked into that a bit because I thought it was a fun topic. In even the most ancient rabbinical writings, there's a record of the Jewish people teaching that Sabbath is actually the best day to engage in sex with your spouse, particularly on Friday night. Mm. And they referred to the Friday night intercourse as the Sabbath blessing. (laughs) <laughs> I've yeah. heard that phrase before, but I feel like I'm going to associate that phrase differently from now on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every Do time someone says it at church, I'm going to be like, what? <laughs> Sabbath is a blessing, brother. Yeah. Wow. That was a Sabbath blessing. And it gets better than that. Um, there's record of if a wife, if the husband of that wife was refusing to participate in the Sabbath blessing for an extended period of time, she could take him to the rabbinical courts and be punished. <laughs> No joke. It didn't go the other way, but the wife, if she was not receiving her Sabbath blessing, was able to go to the rabbinical court. That's how serious it was and how open that culture was in terms of probably sexuality and Mm, experience, the best things you can experience on Sabbath. So, wow. I thought that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big culture shift, I think. That is just not how, I don't know, previous generations would talk about Sabbath. You know, you mentioned we have an inherited Catholicism. I think we also have an inherited sort of Victorian, European prudishness as well, at least in the West, in Christianity, where such things are not fit for talking about in the holy places and things like it's just it's silly, but it's it's our inherited cultural context. For sure. And scripture is full of all sorts of great and wonderful sexual things as well. And sure is. Gory things and all sorts of stuff that we don't find appropriate, maybe for holy conversation, but it's there. Oh, yeah. It's 
Man, I was just like, did my first Bible study with a group of like grade fives this week and I saw them open to the wrong page in the Bible that we were looking for and one of them would think, oh, this is like giggling and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did they just read? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, wow. No, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, great. The reality is with Sabbath at the moment, and from a seven-day Adventist perspective, like for so many generations, we were the only voice in the room of the Christian world. Like we were the ones saying, hey, the Sabbath matters and we're championing the Sabbath, but that's no longer the case now. Like the rest of Christianity has jumped on board saying, I think it's because of just how exhausted everyone is and there's everyone's too busy, we've got too much going on and everyone's fallen to pieces and mental health is such a drastic situation that we're facing at the moment that so many other Christian groups are saying no like sabbath maybe there's some truth in that and there's yeah book after book like you would be yeah. familiar like you know swaboda's book called um the subversive sabbath the sabbath is resistance i've read two or three books on discipleship recently from not adventist authors and all of them mention this the sabbath yeah. and i didn't buy them thinking that they like for that reason but like all of them have had their own taken had this chapter on sabbath i'm like what the heck is going yeah. on this is crazy i'm loving it but it's, yeah huge a massive difference from even five years ago I think part of the problem is that we have been in the mindset in Adventism, as you mentioned, Chapo, that we're the only ones doing this thing. So we have to fly the flag. But in the midst of flying the flag, we've forgotten about, I guess, the Sabbath blessing or whatever it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the many blessings, perhaps you could say, of Sabbath. Like what we're talking about today, we've been so fixated on the Sabbath is important that we've forgotten the importance of the Sabbath exactly. to us. And I think also like... I think that ad, us, us as Adventists have been looking at the Sabbath as part of our identity and that we have to hold on to it because it's our identity. It's in our name. It's like right there, front and centre. Whereas other the way that I have, because I've also read so many like other books on discipleship and just what it means to be a Christian and so many of them are bringing Sabbath into that because they're discovering Sabbath for the beauty of what it is, that it's a direct answer a direct solution to how like our lives are going and the problem of busyness in our lives and how we're getting burnt out and how like our lives are just insane and so they're looking at it as a gift and as God's like solution before it even became a problem of how busy we are and so they're treating it as something special as something new as something like a discovery that solves all of our problems whereas we as Adventists just cling to it and teach it as as if it's just a doctrine and I think that we've lost so much of the beauty and like Chapo was saying like for so long we were the only people in the room talking about it but now I've found that other people are talking about it so much beautifully that's not even a word <laughs> yeah. but like yeah. they're presenting it in such a beautiful way that I think we can learn so much from them and I've just been so blessed by reading that and seeing how they're discovering and discussing the Sabbath yeah I think we we often talk spoke about it as a law to be kept rather than a gift to be received. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why maybe it didn't catch on when we we're talking about it as much because that's the angle we so often approached it from, even though probably deep down we felt it was a gift and we loved it. But when we would talk about why you keep it, you're like, it's one of the commandments. You have yeah. to, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not really selling the, what God actually wants to do through it in your life. Yeah. I, it made me think of, it's also been weaponized so badly. I remember when we were in New Zealand, I don't know if you remember seeing this, Josh, but there's a highway between Auckland and Tauranga. And somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the country, like outside of this tiny little town, there's a massive billboard that says something along the lines of, call this number, and if you can prove from the Bible that this, that Sunday is the Sabbath, I'll give you a million dollars. Wow. And every time I would drive past that billboard, I would just go, man, that is so lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. It's almost like, and I'm just thinking out loud here. I wonder if there's a certain resentment that we have as Adventists of feeling like this thing is ours and nobody else can have it. Oh yeah, sure. The Jews had it. Yeah, fine, fine. But now like we've been the only ones flying this flag for so long. And now all these other people are talking about the Sabbath and experiencing it. I wonder if there's like a level of resentment that we feel like, how dare somebody else jump on this bandwagon that we've been on this whole time? Possibly. Possibly. And I guess a big part of it, though, would be how much a lot of the Adventist world reading outside of Adventist That's literature true. as well yeah. and actually That's seeing true. what's happening. Yeah. Because uh, it is it is really challenging to see such 
people embracing the Sabbath and it just transforming their lives. And I don't see that happening as much in our own circles. I know John Mark Comer in his Practicing the Way, he has a whole big part of his Practicing the Way discipleship program on Sabbathing. And he says that there is people in his life who talk about their own history in terms of pre-Sabbath and post-Sabbath. Like they've divided their life up between before they knew what Sabbath was and now how much better their life is. Oh, back when we were pre-Sabbath, it was miserable, (laughs) but now I've never heard no. Adventists relate to that. No. Yeah. That could be because we've grown up keeping it, though. You don't know, necessarily know what it's like to not have it. I don't know about for you, though, but my experience from Sabbath, like when I first started attending an Adventist church, I was probably 16. Yep. And like I, I was confident that God was doing stuff. I started believing in God at that point, particularly because I saw my mum get clean off drugs and alcohol because and the only thing that was different was she was praying. We started going to church. There was miracles happening in our family at that time. So I knew that God was good. I knew that he was real. And I knew that I guess he wanted us to keep Sabbath as well, because that's what we were told from the pulpit in this church that we were attending, but it was horrible. Like hmm. we just suffered through it. Like it was just the most worst day of the week. Wow. And you would just, the bulletin would have the sunset time in and you just be like <laughs> desperately waiting. And for our yeah. family, we would already have our dinner on our lap with a with a can of coke or something like that and the tv remote so as soon as it hit like 6:43, we yep. press play on the episode <laughs> of home and away that we recorded from the night before <laughs> and have a dinner because finally it's over like we suffered through it and now we get to reap the rewards of sabbath being wow. over which does not sound delightful and the biggest thing for me like i got to go to jerusalem many years ago and experience opening sabbath at the Wailing Wall Mm. and it was fantastic and people were dancing and singing and just so excited that Sabbath was here. They had special songs and then we went back to our motel and that was the biggest feast you've ever had. It was like a party because it is Sabbath and we are so happy that it is Sabbath. And then we went back for closing Sabbath and it was somber. It Uh. wasn't a celebration. It was like people weren't crying and weeping, but they were just (laughs) like, it was, thank God for this Sabbath we've had. We can't wait for the next one, which is a very different experience to what, I knew and from a lot of people that I've spoken to have experienced as well. Yeah, that's a massive shift. Like how do we maybe shape our congregations that Sabbath becomes or like if you're opening Sabbath becomes that celebration? Like what could that look like? Big question. I don't know. Or is opening Sabbath happening at all in a lot of the time? I can tell you that at least in like the holy city of Kurumbong and the surrounding areas of Morrisset, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where there are many Adventists, just like there are in the part of the world that we're in right now. The busiest time, you don't want to go to Woolworths or Coles like <laughs> no. right on the closing kitchen no. because there's all these other Adventists. You see everyone. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but they're all pretending they didn't see you. <laughs> you're pretending because it's, oh, it's the edges of the Sabbath. Yep. I'm still here trying to get my stuff for the next day because today's been so busy, uh, but yeah. the kids need breakfast and there's nothing in the, you know. That, yeah, there's yeah. all these practicalities. And, but I yeah. remember once my wife texted me, in the afternoon, she said, oh, I need you to get a pregnancy test on the way home because I just need to know. So I'm like, okay, it's Friday afternoon. So I go to Woolies in Morissette and like, it is just jam-packed full of Adventists. Like, <laughs> uh, Pathfinder leaders and former lecturers from college and just every Adventist in their mum that you've ever met in your life is there. And I'm trying to sneak out with this pregnancy test without anyone seeing it. It was just a, a whole situation because it's just packed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, but we're just so rushed, right? trying to do it. And then that leads into not really opening Sabbath, just falling into Sabbath and being exhausted. And then before you know it, it's Saturday afternoon and you've woken up from a nap and you've covered in drool and sweat and you don't know <laughs> what year it is or what's going on. And the Sabbath is gone because it was, it just happened. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that's partly because of our emphasis on the Sabbath service. Mm. I don't know if that's part of what you've been thinking about, but for most Adventists, that's it. That's the pinnacle of the spiritual experience. For many Adventists, it's the only part of your spiritual experience of the entire week. Yep. I'd love to talk a bit about Sabbath and worship and Sabbath and corporate worship as well. Let's do it. In one of the sermons that was actually preached by Mickey Nylon, our wonderful chaplain at Avondale School, she talked about the Sabbath and rejuvenation. And she just finished with this banger of a quote that says, is the Sabbath leaving you inspired or tired? And I just thought that was such a ripper of a quote. So I put it up in my story on Instagram and I had so many pastors reply back just, and they all just said tired. Yeah, Yeah. So many, which means for us and for also many active people serving in our churches, it's not restful or rejuvenating, it's exhausting. You look at what worship was, 
like Sabbath worship, particularly through scripture. There's a verse that we often go to that sort of tells us that Sabbath is an important day to worship, Leviticus 23 verse 3, where it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day and is to be observed wherever you live. So in that verse, which is one that we often go to, we're told it's a day for holy assembly. But where do you think people assembled? Particularly at this point, Leviticus, right? You've got the people making their way out of Egypt. Where are they assembling? What do you assume? In the tabernacle. That's what I always thought. They're going to, and you could you imagine families trotting down the road together. By the time, like, the Israelites made it through the Exodus, there was like two million of them. Not many of them are going to fit in the tabernacle. Mm. It's going to be a massive tent. So we know that on Sabbath there was some special worship, particularly for the leaders of the tribes and for the priests. But everyone else basically worshipped in assemblies in their own tents. Like it was what we would call home church, right? And then you move into the New Testament experience and people gather in synagogues. And do you know that... Like it was my favorite verse when I first became a Christian, but it's in Luke chapter four and Jesus is quoting from Isaiah and he gets up in front of the people. He's turned to read and speak and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I always pictured that scene, right? It's like the synagogue was like some large church, kind of like Memorial Church in Kurumbong, but it's, yeah. except for it's made out of white rocks. It's just well, the same. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's sitting down on pews, but they're made out of rocks. And Jesus gets up behind a pulpit that's made out of rocks <laughs> and starts to read this verse, what happens. But then I saw the depiction of that in season three of The Chosen. Oh, yeah. yep. And it was really different. Yeah. Because Jesus is in this small, dingy, dark room with about 40 people. And he just takes it and reads. And I'm just like, this is messing with my head. This is not how I imagine this. But very simple gathering. Like the Sabbath service in the New Testament time was they would come together in synagogues in small groups. Someone would be chosen to read like on the spot. That's why Jesus was, oh, Jesus is back in town. Okay, you can read today, mate. Here you go. Get up and show us what you've been doing. (laughs) There was no need for planning centre. There was no need for disputes between worship leaders about what song is still relevant and all this kind of stuff because it was just (laughs) so simple. But it's very different to what church looks like today. Like fast forward 1,800 years, you get the the lady named Rachel Oakes. You familiar with her? She was the one who introduced the Sabbath to the early pre-Seventh-day Adventist Adventists, Whoa. like to okay. the Millerites. And she, uh, there was a Millerite preacher preaching in a church, and he said that I can keep all of the commandments. And the next week she rocked up and said, I bet you can't keep the Sabbath. Like <laughs> she was, She's referred to in history as a particularly aggressive woman. <laughs> Definitely an Adventist hero. (laughs) (laughs) But she was the one who convinced these really early Adventists that the Sabbath was important. And then this guy took it back to Ellen and James and they were like, yeah, this is legit. We need to start doing Sabbath. But what did doing Sabbath look like for them? It looked like taking the Methodist Sunday church service and bringing it back 24 hours and putting it on Saturday morning and then they'd fix the problem. Innovation. Mm. (laughs) Right? Yes. So, like, essentially, I don't think as a denomination we have ever wrestled with how do we keep, how do we Mm. worship, how do we gather, how do we do liturgy in a way that is Sabbath friendly, that's not just copying and pasting what we see other churches do on Sunday, plonk it on Sabbath morning and say, now we're doing, now we're keeping Sabbath because we're going to church on the right day. So much of what we do to keep Sabbath is just, going to church on the right day. Yeah. Regardless of everything else we're told about Sabbath in Scripture, we boil it down to going to church on the right day. Yeah, I think for us, we that ticks the box of, oh, it's holy. We've made it holy because now we do church on that day. So that makes today holy. And we've assembled. Is- and this is how, this is the only way that we know how to assemble. Yes, in yeah. a holy way. Yeah. 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 I remember we were listening to a preacher, my wife and I, and he's a he has church on Sunday, but he keeps Sabbath Friday night through to Saturday night, like a traditional Jew or Adventist would. She was talking to me saying, I just, I feel envious of these pastors who get to have Sabbath and then get to do church on a different day. Even um, Swoboda in his book, Subversive Sabbath, he even says, you can do Sabbath any day, which I don't agree with. I believe that that Saturday is Sabbath, but he says you can do it any day. But if you're clergy, you just can't do it on the same day you worship because there's too much work involved in making church happen. And so my wife is saying, I feel jealous of these people who they can keep Sabbath and it's enriching and good for their family and for their soul and for their relationship with God. But then they can show up and preach and talk with everyone and plan visitations for the week and do all that sort of stuff 
the next day. And I was like, yeah, I understand. I thought, no, but hang on. Scripture says it's a day for holy assembly, like that mm. we should be able to do Sabbath and gather and worship in a way that doesn't destroy Sabbath. Mm. And I don't know what the answer is. Like I'm proposing a problem here, but I'm just surprised that as a denomination who values Sabbath so much that it's in our name, we've never had a discussion about how can we gather in a way that isn't anti-Sabbath, that doesn't leave us exhausted. Recently, Taryn and I were over in America with a group and not to say just us went, but what a, what a, what a, what a nice flex. <laughs> no, um, yeah, we're just no. casually in America. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Exponential yeah. Conference really and good. one of the workshops we were at, Sabbath came up. And I remember having a chat to some of the, because pretty much all the other churches in the room, other than our little group of Adventists, are all Sunday churches who seemed to keep or were interested in keeping Sabbath. And I remember speaking to one of the guys, funnily enough, from New Zealand who has a Sunday church, but keeps it like Friday night to Saturday night sunset. And it was really cool having a chat about it. And it was just like, oh yeah, you Adventists were talking about this for ages and it took us so long to catch on. We should have listened or whatever. It was really funny. But then, didn't, but then he said, but I don't know how you go to church on Saturday. Honestly, I don't get it. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah. And I, I did, t- I remember t- telling me, yeah, I like, I, I see like you guys get to have a more restful Sabbath, but I love getting to gather with everybody on Sabbath. Like I love seeing everybody on that day. And I, I do agree with you. I think that we haven't necessarily mastered maybe what church should look like on the day, but I love seeing everybody because it's like when else do you get to see everybody and nobody else has got a work commitment to go to nobody's got things like, like everybody's just there in fact the only person who has a work commitment to go to is me yeah. <laughs> uh, but just getting to hang out with everybody and you're all free of that burden of the rest of the week is I think there's something really beautiful in there that I would suggest that people who gather on Sunday might be missing I don't know but and yeah. I totally agree with you because that was part of creation right yeah. was that like when Sabbath was given it was given for community it was mm-hmm. given to gather it was given to hang out and that is so inbuilt and ingrained in us that we need community and so that in and of itself is a blessing of the Sabbath but how do we do church in a way that isn't stressful that isn't like busy that just adds because like we have this culture of busyness in our lives like our whole work week is just rushing from here to there and everywhere like we need to differentiate between sabbath community and the blessing that is and using like that to add to our busyness in our life yeah but then also the tension of how do you make the gathering meaningful yeah Mm. and Empowering yeah. and inspiring and all that kind of thing too. Yeah. Oh, there's so many tensions to I wrestle know. with. At, yeah. at the risk of getting a little too nerdy, I think there is, pot- I think there is potentially some sort of westernized, consumeristic, capitalistic <laughs> urge that yeah. we might need to reckon with oh, as yeah. people. Because look, if you're a conservative, then you expect to come to church and for everything to be reverent and for the organ to be on point and the choir to be fine and there are expectations. If you're a progressive, you want a raging band. You want the lights to be good. You don't want the mic to be turned off in the first 15 seconds of the announcer's voice. You want everything to flow well. Mm-hmm. And where are we getting that from? We're getting that from our culture, which demands excellence, which demands the highest level of quality. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive for that within our spiritual practice, but I also think that is that buying into the world's measure of what something should look like. Yeah. Abraham Heschel talks about the fact that a Sabbath is a cathedral in time. We're escaping the world of the material and we're going into a different space. Are we perhaps a little too enamored with our shiny toys? Could we be content with a very simple Sabbath gathering? You know, what the community that Jesus grew up in would have expected and been used to. Yeah. And I guess the challenging thing as well is when you think about that community, though, that wasn't their only spiritual food for the week or practice. They're praying three times every day, at least. Yeah. They, there are sp- specific prayers that they pray for the morning and scriptures they recite, and not to mention the whole sacrificial system that reminded them of all the different things about the mercies of God and so forth. But their whole life was entrenched in an understanding and a connection and a just a growing relationship with the God of heaven. Whereas for us, for a lot of people, Sabbath is it. And not for everyone, of course, but that's a thing. Like we come to church because we want to be inspired and fed and 
all that as well. And those smaller communities, like this is something also from watching The Chosen, which, yeah, it's, I just, I remember just watching it and just seeing like how often these small communities are interacting with the rabbi during the week. They're just, just like walking around town and whatever and they just see them and they, you know, like yeah. we don't, we're all at our, our jobs and off doing things all the time. Like we're not necessarily having those like religious interactions. In fact, it's, it's, you have to really work to have religious interactions outside of Sabbath, you know, like you have to make big sacrifices to do it. Um, whereas in those times, I think it might've been a bit more natural that like your Jewish community is also like a spiritual community. So you kind of get like, you know what I mean? It's all a lot more maybe intertwined. Yeah, so. for sure. I do. I, I, there's a quote I want to share just while we're still on this topic. There's a book called The Sabbath in the Old Testament and the Intertestamental Period. So it's a- What a it's zinger. A, it's a, what a catchy title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone yeah. make a movie from this one. <laughs> but there's, look, just have this excellent quote. It's from a Seventh-day Adventist perspective. So it says, Seventh-day Adventists have conducted much careful research to substantiate the permanence and the universality, universe- you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> yeah. of the Seventh-day Sabbath. The objective of such study with regard to the Sabbath largely has been to show which is the right day. The validity mm. of the Saturday Sabbath instead of Sunday, but comparatively little has been written dealing with the right way to keep the Sabbath. Adventists have generally refrained from making a legalistic list of Sabbath prohibitions, We've made a few, but... Uh, <laughs> that's a generous... Yeah, yeah. that's a generous term, yeah. <laughs> Paralleling the 39 rabbinic categories of activity prohibited on the Sabbath, however, with few exceptions, Adventist writings have not showcased the joyous experiential significance of Sabbath observance for a vibrant spiritual life. Wow. And that, for me, was probably one of the largest things that came out of the whole experience of doing this sermon series is there's so much more in Sabbath than just going to church on the right day. In fact, in the Old Testament, that technically wasn't even a part of it. That wasn't even, they were more concerned with not working and making it as intensely pleasurable and joyful as possible. Yes. And sometimes I think from an Adventist perspective, we think what more do we need to do to keep the Sabbath? We forget what it's like for someone who actually has to give up their work when they become and they want to start taking on Sabbath and do it and they have to think, oh, do I need to rethink my career or do I need to do all that sort of stuff? Not working on Sabbath is huge for someone who hasn't grown up in an Adventist context and it's just normal for us. So we sometimes overlook how big that can be and that we're blessed already not to have to do that in many cases. So it's good for us, but it's a huge thing. Yeah. The idea of not working, but then not not thinking about work on Sabbath, like helping people to do that is, I think something, I don't know if we necessarily do that. We think we're not working, so that's fine. But like often you get to church, whatever, and everyone's just like, so how's work? Tell me about your work. What's going on with, and you're just talking about work, like the whole time you're there and thinking about it, all year 12 students just talking about HSC or whatever and their final. I'm like, I don't know, We maybe we're thinking too much about the week and we need to make it more of a, tell me about you. I don't know. I don't know how to make that shift. Mm. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> so many questions, no solutions. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. Okay, so do you think there, I don't know if there's other things you want to talk about first, but like I was going to talk, have you made any changes to the way you guys keep Sabbath as a result of this series and how you keep it and or even changes you've seen in your community as a result of this series? I think for me, the biggest shift, yeah, yeah, shift, sure, was really just, coming to the understanding of the Sabbath is given as a blessing. It's meant to be there as a delight and just to actually intentionally enjoy Sabbath. And I think, yeah, just simple things like trying to have sermons done before Friday night. <laughs> yes. Um, Sabbath school lessons prepared before Friday night. Stop yes. calling me um, out, Taryn. Look, mate, I'm still calling myself out. Don't yeah. worry. We, I have not mastered this yet. Um, but just yeah. simple things like that to actually be able to rest and actually just delight in Sabbath and be in community with friends and family and safe people and new people even and just actually to delight to get out of the house to get out of the church building as well sabbath afternoons to actually just go sit by the lake and like that's just something that i do but just to actually intentionally do things that bring me joy that i don't have time for in the middle of my busy week and to intentionally enjoy Sabbath for what it is rather than just to be so focused on as a pastor work and just keeping Sabbath in the legalistic mindset. So that's kind of the biggest thing for me that's come out of that. 
For me too. I think as well. That's massive. The Friday night sermon stress, the up at five o'clock in the morning trying to finish your keynote sort of type life that many of us live because we see, oh, I'm doing good on the Sabbath. So I can fill up all of the rest of the week trying to get everything else done. And I've still got that little window of time, but I'm robbing it from myself and my family, but myself, because God wants me to enjoy the Sabbath and to be refreshed by it and to enjoy the best things that I can possibly enjoy. So that was a big one, like really making an effort to see the preparation day as a preparation day. It's funny, like in scripture, Friday doesn't get its own thing. It's just the day before Sabbath to make sure your Sabbath is going to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a few things I've done because I've got three kids, I've got three daughters, and not long before we did this series, one of my daughters said, I hate Sabbath, Dad, because I'm sick of veggie tales. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love vegetables. Um, <laughs> that's how much vegetables my kids have watched on Sabbath because I'm smashed and I get home and I either go to sleep or I just mindlessly scroll on my phone through the same garbage I scroll through all the rest of the week. And yeah, that was really confronting because it means their experience of Sabbath is deeply impacted by mine. Mm. So the first thing I did was I went and ordered one of those lock boxes. So for Sabbath, so tonight when Sabbath opens, my wife and I will put our phones in the lock box and set it for 24 hours. Whoa. And we don't get our phones back till after that. So at least we're not dead scrolling, not interacting with our children. That's one thing. And just trying to do anything we can do to make it more enjoyable. I really think that the whole idea of opening and closing Sabbath is a really important lost art. Mm. It helps to separate the Sabbath from everything else. Just taking that moment to slow down and stop and say this bit of time that we're entering is different than what we're doing. I even, I gave my church a really simple process because a lot of people have never done it. It's just not normal to a lot of people anymore. As a Psalm, Psalm 92, which was written for Sabbath about Sabbath. And it's what was read every week in the Jewish communities to open Sabbath. And something that would often happen as well is as Sabbath was being opened, the father of the home would give all of the children a spoonful of honey. So I said to my church, I said, I want you to buy a bag of Skittles at some time in the week and just sit down, <laughs> read Psalm 92 and eat a bag of Skittles. Or Fantastic. if you've got family, share it with your family. Or, or if you're gluten-free, get whatever gluten-free people need. I don't know what that is. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it, Skittles were gluten-free, but they're not. Oh, they're not. <laughs> oh okay. Apparently. Uh, but you get the point. But seriously, yeah, yeah. just stop and just and then and say a simple prayer that may what I experience for the next 24 hours be really good for me and my own journey with you, God, and for other people and may church be uplifting and may I connect with people in a meaningful way. And, just, and then at the same token pause to close the Sabbath and just reflect and thank God for what the 24 hours held and for strength to go on for the next week. Whoa, that sounds awesome. I'm, I have questions. <laughs> yeah. How have you found it as a pastor or as your wife and your pastors, correct? Correct. Yeah. We're yeah. both pastors. Yeah. How, how have you found not having a phone on Sabbath and how has your church responded to it? Cause I feel like that's when they all text me and call me and. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What we have had to do and Look, when I told the church about this, they were very supportive and applauded what we were trying to accomplish for the sake of our children. But we have a home phone now, which we never had Whoa, before. So wow. we have a home phone okay. and the, the we keep the number available for people. So if there's something that arises that's a Sabbath need or whatever, or they need to find out something about what's happening the next day, that's how they have to contact me if it's Sabbath hmm. because I won't get any text messages and I won't get your Facebook inbox messages or whatever different way you're trying to communicate with me because okay. I'm doing my best to... yeah make the Sabbath work for me. Look, I still have my iPad because that's what I preach from. So when I get to church, uh, look, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's not as easy to find yourself in a death scroll as it is on Sabbath afternoon, just mindlessly. Yeah. Yeah. It means I'm far more intentional about being present. But yeah, so far, so good. Cool. I have to say, we are really blessed with a very supportive church community that, that value us as human beings first and pastors second. I know not all churches are like that, but we have a great church that, that wants us to be thriving and well in our own spirituality and our own holistic wellness. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're getting toward the end of our time here. So I just want to make sure that Chapo and Taryn, if there's anything else that you wanted to mention about Sabbath, what else is on your mind? And then we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. I think this is the last thing I'll share. There's a, in the context of Sabbath and when we're given the Sabbath command, when we're told about Sabbath right there in Genesis, 
the word Sabbath simply means to stop, right? Mm. It's the most simple yep. thing. It is when the in in Exodus when it says the manna came down on Sabbath it would stop, but it says when it says the manna stopped, it says it's Sabbath. Oh, cool, because you know, yeah. that was the word for ceasing and to stop. But there's this other word which is the word rest, which means in the original Hebrew to settle in to rest. Yeah. And I think it's really important to differentiate the two. You can have a break, you can have a day off, or you can have a bit of a a rest, but it's like stopping at the traffic lights and, but then you have to go again straight away. The whole idea of Sabbath, at least in the Old Testament context, was that you stopped and you stayed stopped. It was like you settled in, you took up residence in rest. It's like putting on the handbrake as opposed to just putting on the brake at the traffic light. You're you're saying, I'm sitting here for a while. The same word that is used for rest is a word that was used when the locusts came down and descended upon Hmm. the fields and they took up residence there. That's the idea. It's that idea of we take up residence in rest and we say, this is where I'm going to be for Hmm. some time. I'm going to be in rest. And yeah, we have to really work on trying to find that experience, that rest, the rejuvenation, the joy, the delight, and the worship and the connection mm. in what Sabbath is. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Got anything, Taryn? No, nah, I reckon you summarised that perfectly, mate. Good job. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I visualise yeah. it kind of like the difference between like just sitting in a chair and then like really reclining yeah. in a chair and putting your feet up kind of yeah. thing. I don't know. I don't know if I often actually recline on Sabbath. Mm. I'm often just, okay. Like there are things I've been like trying to do, especially this year to try and make my Sabbath more enjoyable and restful, but... I still like I've got a lot, I feel like I've got a long, long way to go. Lots and the of things reality to learn is, as a pastor. is that this is going to look different for everyone, right? And that each of us, like it, it goes from a list of rules of how to keep Sabbath to an individual care plan of what Sabbath looks like. Ooh. Does that make sense? Like we need to actually individually stop and consider what does Sabbath look like for me? Because yeah, the Bible gives us really great principles, but the reality is that the culture that we are living in now is so different from the culture that they were living in then. And so how they culturally kept Sabbath then isn't necessarily how we're going to culturally keep Sabbath now, but the principles of resting and stopping and delighting and having joy and community is the same. So what does that look like? And I also don't think that is going to be exactly the same across the board of our Adventism either. Like we need to individually seek out God and ask him like, what does Sabbath look like for me? And how do I connect with you, God? And how do I connect with others? And how do I stop in my life? What does that look like? So yeah, I think the challenge for all of us is to actually consider that and come up with our own plan of how does Sabbath look like in my life? Yeah. What are the things I really need to stop? How do I rest better? Who are the people I need to spend better time with? Yeah, like uh, not, maybe not even just more time, but like more quality time, like turning the phone off. Yeah, yeah it's massive. Like the, I found the difference in looking after my daughter. Like if I don't have my phone on me, like I'm way more patient and engaged with what she's doing. Is When I got my phone on me, I'm like constantly thinking about, oh, I just quickly send that message off to that person. You know what I mean? Even though I, I, you don't think it's going to make a big difference, but it's just that little thing. And Yeah. Look, when I told my daughters that we were going to be locking our phones away for Sabbath, my oldest daughter cried. <laughs> really? No, genuinely. Yeah. I genuinely cried because she was just so happy. And she was just, I can't wait. Because wow. she was like, forget mum and dad yeah. on Sabbath. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I think we don't talk enough about digital Sabbaths mm-hmm. as a church. And I think that's a real, not just a good idea, but a genuine need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, it is. I don't know, especially, we talked a bit about digital burnout and stuff when, when we took our big break from the show. But in that time, I really recognized that I can't keep that digital pace up that I had. I actually need to rest from this. And something. Like, and so I think like Sabbath is a, and again, I don't nail this, but I try and, yeah, trying to work out like, man, is like how much is my, are my devices and my online life, how much is that burning me out? And I need to put the brakes on that to be more present in reality and what Sabbath seems like the perfect recipe to mm. do that. Like, it is the answer to so many of our, problems in society and going back to like your comment about consumeristic like consumerism in society like the sabbath stops that yeah or it can yeah (laughs) yeah has a potential for that i guess i i would really love to see the adventist community or something produced that comes from an adventist creator or author that goes beyond just the sabbath is saturday this is the right day and 
these are the things you can't do in the Sabbath to keep it holy. It goes beyond that into the place of this is the blessing and the beauty and the richness that Sabbath should be bringing into your life to the point where there's a bunch of Adventists who are just like, just mm. can't imagine life without the goodness of Sabbath because I think we've been surpassed by a lot of other writers about the beauty of Sabbath and yeah, I'd love to see us move into that space. I think for me, the thing is really resonating is that existential problem we have of the assembly and how there's so much potential for that assembly to be so rich and to be so meaningful. And yet how we have that tension of not just as clergy, but as our volunteers and our elders and our worship leaders and our Sabbath school teachers. And I, I just... Every time when I was a pastor getting into the worship service, I could sense the existential dread that a lot of people had <laughs> of, I have to fulfill my duties. Oh, finally it's done for another week. And it's just not what it's supposed to be. And yeah, so I guess I'm processing that a little more. And yeah, this has been a helpful conversation for that. And I guess we didn't even really get into the whole part about the way Jesus kept Sabbath. He's often healing people. Which is, man, what does that look like? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm sure that can't have been easy. I don't know. Maybe it was easy for him. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, he was criticized not for breaking biblical Sabbath yeah. laws. He was criticized for breaking rabbinical laws by yeah. Sabbath. And he actually sought people out to heal them on Sabbath as opposed to them just coming across his path. Yeah. And I guess there's even that added tension of what does it look like to bring rest to another on Sabbath, taking effort to do that. Not just thinking about rest for ourselves, but how do I make this a rest and a delight and worship for somebody else too? There's all that. We can't be selfish with Sabbath. We act, It's a time to receive a gift, but also to give a gift in a strange way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Lots to think about. Yeah, it's been really helpful. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. If people want to check out the... You did a seven-part series, sermon series on Sabbath. Where do people go to check it out if they want to hear more? Yeah. yeah, look, you can jump on YouTube. That's where all of our sermons go from Gateway. Gateway Community Church Live well, is what our... Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tune in live for Gateway Community <laughs> Church on YouTube. But, yeah. um, that's where you can find all of our sermons and maybe we need to f- make them easier to find. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good luck. Yeah, kind of embedded Somewhere in a in church there. service. Yeah, yeah but... Yeah. Just know, watch them all, guys. If you're yeah. keen, yeah. you dig in, you will find. <laughs> and if somebody is in the greater area of the Avondale Holy City and they want to rock up to one of your services one day, when and where and how yeah. and who and... Awesome, great question. We are at on the Avondale School campus, which is at the very end of Avondale Road. Whoa. Which is beautiful, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, we meet in the NPC and come along anytime from 10 a.m. Get yourself a wonderful coffee and stick around for church at 11. So good. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us, guys. We appreciate you both and the wisdom that you've brought today. And I just know so many people are going to resonate and have lots to say about this. We'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Send us a DM or jump in on the community group on Facebook and we'd love to hear thoughts about this start a group chat and just see yeah we'd love to see what you guys have to say and your thoughts on Sabbath and if you try anything from what we've shared about today let us know how it goes maybe reshaping the way you do Sabbath to make it more of a delight rather than a labor (laughs) yeah we'd love to we'd love to hear about it but not too much about the delight just enough like an appropriate amount The blessing, you do. The blessing. The Sabbath blessing. The Sabbath blessing. <laughs> okay. Oh, great. That's what we needed to finish. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We love you. That is... I can't All right. That is Josh, Jesse, Chapo, and Taryn out. Thank <laughs> you.